listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Just want to say something briefly about the Gospel reading before moving on to focus on the Lamentations text. I think it's important to realize that when it comes to his parables and parabolic sayings, Jesus just isn't shy about working both sides of the street. It was about six weeks ago that we had a gospel reading in which Jesus tells a parable about faithful slaves who keep the lamps burning all night while their master's at a wedding feast. And when the master comes home, he is so delighted with the faithfulness of his servants that he fastens his belt, has them sit down to eat, and he serves them. But here, in this parable, this kind of saying, speaking to those very same disciples, Jesus says that after his work, a slave should not expect the master to serve him or or set the table for him. Do you thank a slave for what was commanded? He asks rhetorically. And then he adds, So you also, when you've done all that you were ordered to do, say we are worthless slaves. We've done only what we ought to have done. Oh, well, that should stand as a reminder that parables are meant to do their own particular work. In the case of this one, N.T. Wright says that it stands as a reminder, a shocking lesson, he calls it, that all we do, even the hard work we do for God, never for a moment puts God in our debt. All genuine service to God, Wright continues, is done from gratitude not to earn anything at all. Saying we're not worth anything at all doesn't mean that we lack a proper sense of self-worth and self-love. It just means that we must constantly remind ourselves of the great truth. We can never put God in our debt. And why is that? Because none of this life of faith is based on merit or earned righteousness, but simply on raw grace. Jesus isn't afraid of using sometimes disturbing and even shocking words to make that point. I'll leave the gospel there for now. I really want to speak to this Lamentations text. And on the power of lament in general, I want you to hear something that the African-American biblical scholar Alphanetta Wines has to say about the power and importance of lament. The lessons of lament, she comments, the lessons of lament have much to teach the world about finding healing and restoration in times of crisis or after tremendous loss. Lament is part of the healing process. Failure to lament makes it difficult to move forward when we encounter life at its worst. Lament releases the energy that is bound up in grief and regret. Ever cognizant that life will never be the same, lament makes room for life to begin again. Ever cognizant 
that life will never be the same. Lament makes room for life to begin again. Well, this is deep lament that we're talking about tonight. We spent the past several weeks considering texts from the prophet Jeremiah, and we'll do so for two more Sundays. Tonight we've got a piece from the book of Lamentations, a book attributed to that same prophet. Lamentations is all of five chapters long, but it's almost unrelentingly hellish in what it describes. Jerusalem has fallen to the Babylonian Empire. The temple lies in ruins. Blood runs in the streets. The book begins, How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. How like a widow she has become, she that was great among the nations. And it all unfolds from there. As Jeremiah describes scenes of starvation, of violence, and of desperate horror, infants and babes faint in the streets of the city. They cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine, as they faint like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. It's like what's happening in Aleppo right now, right? I mean, it has just been so destroyed, and there are no resources, and people are starving. Children crying to their mothers. Worse yet, he describes this one truly awful scene. Women eat their offspring, the children they have born. It's become so desperate that cannibalism has entered into its life. Women are raped in Zion, virgins in the towns, towns of Judah. Princes are hung by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind. Means that young men are strapped to the grinding wheel that was normally driven by the oxen. Young men are compelled to grind. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate. The young men their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. And then the final verses of the book. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Unless, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. The end. Restore us unless, unless we've been so unfaithful to the covenant, have so betrayed our calling to be your people that we've moved beyond forgiveness and restoration. That's the deep fear voiced in the book of Lamentations that maybe they're too far gone and it's too late. What we heard read tonight, though, comes from chapter 3, almost dead center in the five-chapter book. And in those verses, the prophet does something utterly unexpected. Began tonight, the thought of my affliction, my homelessness is wormwood and gall. That's lament. 
My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. This is a man broken. His very soul sort of bowed over, can't hold himself straight. But this, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For just this little handful of verses, right in the book's center, Jeremiah sings a different vision, born of a deeper, stubborn, and insistent hope. And then, just as abruptly as that section had begun, it's over. And he's back to describing that hell on earth. It's almost as if he's looked through this window at how awful things have become in Jerusalem. And then for this minute, the window does this. And he looks through a different lens. And he dares to sing hope. And then it goes back again. Now, in the psalm tradition... It's not uncommon for these laments, powerful songs of sorrow, to begin with tears and sadness, even complaint, and then as they move along to resolve in a declaration, sometimes a stubborn declaration, but a declaration of hope and of God's faithfulness. That's the kind of expected order, right? You you sing the hard truth before you can dare to hope. But here, that's not what the prophet's done. Here, he plants hope right in the middle, which to me says that his hope is neither overly self-assured nor blindly naive. It's deep, might even be desperate, but ever so deep. That affirmation, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, That affirmation stands at the center of lamentations like a hinge. But it also stands at the very center of the faith tradition of the whole of the Hebrew Scriptures. And so at the very center of the faith in which we walk, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. But it isn't always easy to affirm that, is it? As the Lutheran biblical scholar Fred Gazer comments... Left to myself, the center, and he works with the image of those verses sitting at the very center of lamentations. Left to myself, the center will never hold. Even together, we must admit there will be times when it appears that all is lost. But then, this voice, the Lord is good to those who wait. Hold on to this for me, dear preacher. Believe it with me. Let me hear it anew. Well, this preacher holds on to it. This preacher believes it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. To repeat that great line from Alphanetta Wines, ever cognizant that life will never be the same, lament makes room for life to begin again, and the center holds I have known some serious grief and sorrow in my own life over these past few months, but the center holds. When times are tough and there seems little hope that God's mercies are new every morning, the center holds. But we hold it together. 
We hold it together, not in some sorrowful doubt and despair-filled space of splendid isolation. No, no. The center holds because again and again we find it, and we hear it, and we see it, and we know it in and through each other. And the center holds. For truly, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.